You're listening to a podcast from New Life Church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. To learn more about New Life, find us online at newlifechurch.tv or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Y'all good? If you love Jesus, let's put our hands together for him before we get, get into the Word. Good to see you. Do, you, do y'all have any idea who won the SEC championship yesterday? I, uh, I don't know. Oh, we did. All right. Who did, uh, who did Alabama play yesterday, Brandon? Nobody. Hallelujah. I've been waiting 10 years. Thanks, babe. 10 years. What's in it? And uh, <laughs> I've been waiting 10 years to say that. There we go. So um, last week, we taught on anxiety and we taught on worry. Who was here for that? Raise your hand. Uh, if you were not here uh, for that, people are either going through it or you need to be able to coach some people through it. Uh, you can go listen to that on our Facebook page. Uh, I'm taking two weeks and I'm just talking about things that happen inside the heart. And it's not that people have more problems this time of year, it's that when you do, you feel them on a different level. And so last week we talked about anxiety and we talked about worry. I want you all to write this down at the top of your notes. I'm going to talk to you about how to handle discouragement and disappointment and how to help other people through it. Uh, last, week, <clears throat> last week, we talked about, I, I just wrote down three things that I liked the most, that I got out of it. Uh, when you're dealing with anxiety and worry, the first thing you got to know is, who is going to be in charge in my life? And when Jesus taught it, he was like, there's a root to anxiety, and when you're going through it, y'all remember we did this whole illustration, and my kids were down here, and they're pulling one of them's pulling mama one way, and the other one's pulling mama the other way. And Jesus taught it like this. No one can serve how many masters? Nobody can serve two masters. And so when you're dealing with anxiety and worry, first thing you do is spiritually you take an inventory and go, oh, I'm dealing with this. And the root of it is almost all the time going to be, I got two masters. The word worry literally means to be torn into two pieces in your soul. And so you're going, how many of y'all have ever felt that before? Let's just be honest. Everybody, anybody ever dealt with any of this? Some of you are scared to raise your hand, but uh, you're going to deal with it. And so we talked about that. And then we talked about the importance of when you pray to be, this is what Jesus said, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer with, how many of y'all, does this section remember? Prayer with, there's something to add to your prayer life. Let's see, what is it? Supplication, prayer, and what is it? It was something we talked about. Who remembers it? Thanks. This section. I'm preaching to y'all today. There we go. Prayer. Somebody went King James over there. But uh, (laughs) prayer with thanksgiving. Listen to me. When you're dealing with stuff in your life, we're going to review a little bit. God says, when you pray, add thanksgiving, and here's the promise, and what comes? The peace that passes all understanding. What happens is I take my mind off of what's going on and I'll start being thankful. And this is what I said. It's my redneck commentary. Peace travels on the road of thanksgiving that you built. So some people are praying, oh, God, give me peace in my mind. God, give me peace in my heart. He said, why don't you pray with thanksgiving? Find some things to be thankful about. And then all of a sudden the soul is at rest. It passes all understanding. It'll guard your heart and guard your mind. And then... One of the other things that I said is, you got you to move your butt when you pray. Y'all remember that? Okay. Y'all, who remembers that? You move your butt because a lot of times we say, oh, God is good, but my marriage is bad. And, and or, I love Jesus, but my finances are, are gone. Then I say, you got to turn that around. And you go, and this is totally different. You're praying. You're going, oh, my finances are weak, but 
The Bible says he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Now listen, so we're rehashing because you've got to get this in your Christian life. Everybody look at me. You can pray in a way that you're wanting God to react to you, or you're praying in a way that your heart begins to react to God. You can pray in a way that raises anxiety in your life, or you can pray in a way that all of a sudden I start seeing God for who he is and I get relaxed. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we're going to pray over the service, but, but before we do, I want to tell you this. When we teach messages, uh, the job of the pastors is to preach the word, and then, and then you're in it. But the, James says you need to be a doer of the word and not just a what? A hearer. Uh, when you come in and you hear and you amen, that's not putting it into practice. That's like uh, auditing a college class. You, when you audit a class, that means you go down to UFAS, you take a class, you listen to the teachers, you get to know the, the, the classmates, you're in the class, but when you audit a class, you don't take the tests, you don't do the homework, you don't write, write the project uh, papers. You don't do any of the work during the week. You're just in there taking the class. But guess what? When you audit a class, guess what you don't get? You don't get class credit. And this is what I see, particularly in the Bible Belt, is that people want to audit their Christian life. Is that we sit. Boy, he's getting tense in here. Good. We, listen to me. We sit, and we're like, I'm glad to be in class. And I've made some cool classmates. I'm loving it. And you sit here, and if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're doing the same thing. You're auditing the Christian life, and guess what you don't get? You don't get life change out of it. Is that when you hear it, you go, oh. And so, so what does that look like? Okay, Because I got a lot of text, and I got a lot of emails, and this message kind of went. People started sharing it, and, and people started getting it. And, and this is what people said. They said, Marcus, when you were teaching on worry and anxiety, it described me to a T. Or, or it describes something going on in our home to a T, which is, hey, that is beautiful. It, it needs to take that step and one more step. Everybody lock in. I'm telling you something so important. When Jesus would describe a person, or particularly, you can see this in all the seven churches in the book of Revelation. When he would describe what's going on with them, he would also describe who he was. So every time he gave them a description on what was going on in them, he also gave them a description so they could see who he was. He would say, let me tell you who I am, and let me talk to you about my word. Let me talk to you about my holiness, because it's, listen to me, this is the two parts of your faith are repentance and it's faith. And so when God begins to describe who you are, that's a great thing, but you also need to be able to describe who he is. Amen. And who he, I want y'all to write this down, who he is is holy. That's the first thing. Write this down. Holy means that he is set apart. So anytime you're in a message, it's not just going, oh, that was so good because it hit home. It's like God is set apart. I got I to gotta see. When I, when I first started dating Brooke, I mean, we just first started talking. There were several girls trying to talk to me. It was just, I mean, you know how it is. And, uh. One day, I accidentally sat next to a girl that wasn't Brooke. Brooke was in front of me. I sat next to another girl. Brooke, I've told you all these stories. And she walked out of the cafeteria. And she walked away. And I was like, what are you doing? And I finally tracked her down, you know. And I said something stupid to her. And then she looked at me and she just said, there will be no other girls in your life but me. I'm in a class all by myself. 
And I said, I believe you, and I repent of my sin. Amen. You know what I'm saying? When Jesus says, I'm holy, he's in a class all by himself, right? That's who he is. And, and this is the best way I can describe it. In your home, you have, you have, if you've been living uh, five years in your own house, you've got some holy things in the house. And for us, it's always been holy dishes. We've got three types of di- dishes in our house right now. Number one, we've got dishes in the sink. How many of y'all in here got dishes in the sink? Pray, no, no, there we go. Don't be bashful. We've got dishes in the sink, right? Then we've got dishes that are in the cabinet in the kitchen, those dishes. Then God gave us another set the dishes that I love better than all other dishes, it's the paper plate dishes. Amen. How many of y'all thank God for paper plates? Every mama does. Praise the Lord. Then, when Brick and I got married, she had this curio cabinet. And there was a set of holy dishes that went into a whole another room that no man could enter. And she put the china she got in those dishes. And one day, I was just eating cereal out of a bowl of that china. She's like, what are you doing, you unclean heathen? Put the china back up. And they sat in there, and only royalty, that was not me, could eat from those dishes, right? They're in a class all by themselves. Listen to me. That's who Jesus is. So when, you, when we start talking about emotional uh, messages, when we're talking about worry, anxiety, d- discouragement, it's not enough to just feel lifted on the inside. you got to be able to say, I see who Jesus is clearly, how he's pastored me clearly. I see his divine nature clearly. I see both of them because he's in a class all by himself, and it's him who breaks all that yoke in your life. Somebody say amen. Y'all give Jesus a hand. Come on. That's who you are, Jesus. We love you. So let's stand up and let me pray over you, and we'll get into this. Let's go. Hallelujah. Jesus, one of the things that you told us in this world, in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart, you've overcome the world. And you gave us a reality that there's going to be pain, disappointment, hurt. There's going to be those kinds of things. And you gave us a reality that you are the overcomer. And, and our responsibility is to take heart, just to take it. It's an aggressive thing that, that, uh, that we, you have given us a responsibility, God. And I pray in this word, when we get into your holy word, we learn how to take heart. We stand on your word. We believe you, you for who you are, and we remove things from our lives that's destroying our lives, God. Uh, I pray for every person that's been dealing with anxiety. They've been dealing with worry. They just feel like there's a weight living in their chest, or maybe there's just a, uh, maybe they've just been discouraged. They would describe it as depression, just down this time of year. I pray that you will lift our soul, that we can walk in victory. We don't have to live with this the rest of our life because you are the one who makes us victorious because of all you've done for us and all who you are. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Grab your notes and let's get into this. Let's go. Disappointment. It's common to everybody living. It don't matter where you're at. It's just it's a common thing in life. We see it all through Scripture. We see it in people in the New Testament. People dealt with discouragement and disappointment in the Old Testament and New Testament. And, uh, and you're going to go through it. And I want you to write this down. This is why you're going to go through it. Life, yeah, put this in your notes. This is, this is not a fill in the blank. Life on earth is not an unbroken chain of victories. There are going to be victories, there are going to be defeats, there are going to be mountaintops, and there are going to be valleys. It was promised to us. It is the, it's the reality of life. Your faith is not going to be 
so strong that you don't deal with difficulty and you don't deal, uh, you don't deal with pain. There's going to be some things that hurt in this life. And there's going to be some things that let you down. Let, let me just, just step out and just, just talk to you just about life and then we'll get back to the Word. There's going to be, uh, here's just small things. Write this down. Events will let you down. How many of y'all have ever just said, we're going to go see this? Maybe it was a movie. You went and saw it and you go, that was a dud. That was terrible. You know? Just something that you were just, just spending, saving money for. Uh, who's ever been on a bad date? Raise your hand. You ever been on a bad date? It's like I was so excited. Some of you married that person anyways, right? And you just went on a bad date. And it, oh, I thought it was going to be so much better. And then it, was, it ended up terrible. You know, been on a, who's been on a bad vacation? A nightmare vacation. We've been on a couple of those. And we were just like, is this a test from heaven? I don't know. But I just I want to get off this vacation, you know? And, uh, but you're going to have events. Brooke and I, when, when we got married, our honeymoon, we got married in the mid-90s. And uh, that was right after Al Gore had created the Internet. And uh, you, I couldn't get, they hadn't pulled the cord out to Louisiana yet. So back then, all you young people that don't know, we used to figure out where we would go either by magazines, okay, or they had a, a place in town called a travel agency. Who remembers some of those? We would look in the back of phone book, or people would just tell us what to do. So I was looking in a magazine. I saw this hotel. We were getting married in South Texas, and I saw this amazing hotel in, in Houston. I'm like, that's where we're going to spend our first night. It's going to be the most romantic thing. They had a picture of, a, of new, two newlyweds sitting in a hot tub. I'm like, I want a hot tub. That's what I want. I want that stuff. I'm like, this is what I'm going to get. And we ordered it up, and it was not as advertised at all. We finally get to Houston, get through the traffic. We start driving. I go, babe, I think we're in the ghetto of Houston. We were in the fifth ward of Houston. Those of you who lived around there, that's where everybody dies. And we were, I'm like, we're going to get shot on our honeymoon. And down here in the fifth ward, we got out. There's some projects across the street over here, and our hotel was over there. And I'm a little bit nervous. I get out, and I... I went to the desk. I said, I might be at the wrong hotel. They're like, no, Marcus and Brooke Brown, you're here. And I was looking around. I said, what about the hot tub? You know? And they said, well, your hot tub. <laughs> I thought every room, the room we got had a hot tub. This was a hot tub outside where you could sit in the hot tub and look at the drug dealers outside. And then, seriously, and, they were like, and then she goes, don't worry. We have armed security guarding the hot tub. 24 hours a day. I was like, this is a honeymoon from you know where. That's right. You're, you're going to have things that disappoint you, and it's because we want to have a perfect home, and in reality, every home's messy. We, we want the holidays to be perfect holidays with perfect meals and perfect time with family where everyone is begging you to read the Christmas story one more time, and we put all of this expectation, and then we get disappointed. The only place in the world where life is perfect is on Facebook. Amen. That's where you got to go, all right? You're going to get disappointed. You're also going to get disappointed by things. You're going to get, just write this down, by the this stuff that you accumulate. You're never going to buy something that changes your life. Uh, it's going to wear out. Jesus promised it. It'll rust. It'll rot, you know? going to get eaten up by varmints. It's going to get stolen by thieves. The newness is going to wear off eventually, you know. So we buy things. We get things. You're going to open a gift and go, why did I get that, you know? Why did they buy me that tie? It's the dumbest thing. 
You know, I sent Brooke a picture of that Peloton bike. I was like, well, how about this? She sent a text back and said, are you kidding? I was like, oh, yeah, that was a joke. <laughs> you know, you're going to get something that you don't want. Matter of fact, hint, guys, never buy exercise equipment for Christmas. Praise the Lord. I just saved somebody's life. Amen. Right? Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, are you going to, have you eaten that chicken sandwich at Popeye's yet? It's the best chicken sandwich in the world. I'm like, no, I eat at Chick-fil-A where the chickens are born again. Christian chicken. Amen. Do that. Lose my faith over chicken sandwich. I'm not doing that, you know. Those things are going to happen. And uh, Hey, let me just share some advice that we got. Those of you that are buying gifts for your kids, you got little ones that are growing up. Someone taught us this, and we've started doing this. They said, get three types of gifts. Don't just give them a bunch of stuff. You know, they're going to not, they'll be playing with the boxes instead of the toys anyways. They, they said, uh, buy, them, buy them stuff, and then buy them something to learn. And, and buy them, number three, an experience to have. Write that down. If you're buying gifts, if you're not done with your Christmas shop, buy them. You can buy them something, something like that. Just a toy, clothes, whatever. That's what we're going to do. But we're always in a, we're going to give our kids something to learn. And then experiences shape your life as much as anything else. You give them a place to go, soil to walk on that haven't been. We got a lot of kids getting out of high school, getting out of college, and they're trying to decide what they're going to do with their life, and their life isn't shaped right yet. They have not had enough experiences to make a life decision. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So we're going to give them some experiences that's outside of Fort Smith. And everybody said amen. Amen. The last thing that we get disappointed in, I'll move on, is people. They disappoint us. Uh. I'm talking about people that are close to you. Those are the ones. Some of you allow anybody to let you down. I don't. It's the people that are close to me that can let me down, hurt me. But when you're in this world, somebody's going to be unreliable. Somebody's not going to value you like you need to be valued. Uh, they're not going to thank you. There's going to be people that are going to hurt you, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. You're going to get hurt in this world, and that's how you're going to get disappointed. And... And I, I'm centering, if you got your Bibles, go to uh, Exodus 15. Moses led a group of hard people. Um, they complained. They, they were backbiters. Uh, they got disappointed. They got disappointed e easily. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. I can put up with a lot. I hate complaining. How many of y'all just hate negativity? Just raise your hand. You just, I just hate negative. My kids will start getting, I, when they start getting negative and they're not appreciative of what they have, they start demanding their way and they get a little bit of attitude. I can just feel that cage coming up. I'm just like, whoo, I can't, I cannot handle it. A guy came to me one day and he said, Marcus, uh, I was taking my kids to school this morning and I think I saw your wife's van on the side of the road and I was going to help her. But the woman inside looked like she's getting ready to whip her kids. So it couldn't have been Brooke. I'm like, that's her. I guarantee you right now. Bet money on it. That was her. Because them kids start griping. They start complaining. And she's from Texas. She'll whip that butt. Amen. Right? And this was, this was Moses. <laughs> I think the favorite pastime of the Jews at this point was complaining. They had a lack of faith and a complaining spirit. If you could take a note, write this down. Complaining can, can become addictive. That's why the Bible says to be, to be quick to listen but slow to speak because how you speak can become your nature. It becomes a, your words. The, that, that way you speak can become so addictive in your life. So be slow. Watch the words of your mouth. And this is one of the reasons it took them 40 years Children of Israel wandered around in the desert for 40 years. 
40 years it took them to get to God's best. This was part of the problem. And when, when, um, when Moses, you get, to, you get to Exodus 15, when Moses is leading the children of Israel, here was their problem. Everybody listen to me. So I'll recap. They had water problems. That's what they had. They get out of Egypt. They get out of that land where they were slaves. And here's the first water problem they have. Would you put this down inside your notes? They had too much water. They get to the Red Sea and they're like, that's too much water. How are we ever going to get from here to there? And then they start complaining. It's like, Moses said, that's out here and we're going to die. And it would have been better than we were slaves over there. And we could have died as slaves and our kids could have been slaves. And that would have been better because we could have eaten. And now we're in front of the sea. And, they're blah, 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 blah. and then God shows up and he removes that water problem. And then, let me tell you what their next problem is. They went from having too much water to not having any water. None. God's like, you want to gripe about that? How about no water? I just love it. It's just like, none. Like, we're dying of thirst. And then they start griping again. It's like, Moses let us out of here in the desert. Now we're going to die. We're going to starve. We're going to die of thirst. So then they go to a place called Mara, and guess what they had? They went from too much water to no water to water that was so bitter they couldn't drink it. It's big water problems. They're like, this is water, but it tastes like Oklahoma water. And it's like, I hate this water, you know? So always got to put one in there for them, all right? So they go through this, but this, so let me just read to you in verse 22. I don't think it's in your notes. Then, then Moses led Israel uh, from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. Uh, for three days they traveled into the desert without finding water. So, so they can't find it from, from any, and they end up at this place called Mara. And Mara, in the New Testament, we get the name uh, Mary from it. But Mara, write this down in your notes, or you can circle it. Mara means bitter. They got to a place of bitterness. This, this passage teaches a few principles. Here's the first one. This is just 30,000 foot view. Number one, great wins are often followed by great losses. This is why I said life is not just a string of unbroken successes. Life is like, oh, that was great. And this is where disappointment comes in because this is how I think. I think, this, I think I'm just serving God. Things should just start getting easier. I mean, I'm a man of God. I pray over my kids like two or three times a month, easy, right? Things should be getting better. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're serving him, you're serving him. Things are good. You get through something big in your life, and then all of a sudden, boom, something hits you, and you're like, that was the most disappointing thing that could have said. And this could happen in your health, and this could happen to you personally. This could happen to your family. You're just going, God, here we go again, another struggle? And they go from a mountaintop to valley, listen to me, and life is a series of those things. Just want to encourage you. It's great. So they get to a place, and it's literally, what, put that verse 22 up here. They said, how long were they looking? They were looking for water for three days. Now, let me tell you how this went. Three days ago, 72 hours back, the Red Sea opens, and they walk through it. Then the army drowns in the sea, and they throw a party and start writing Hillsong music, right? They just start writing music. They're having a party, and they're dancing, and they're just like, God's been so amazing, and then we have triumphed. And then they wrote, how many of you guys went to church in the 80s? Raise your hand, date yourself. And they, do y'all remember the song, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumphed, glory, see, the, y'all, y'all are scared. 
the horse and the rider fell into the sea. You remember this? Okay, and everything had this Jewish beat to it back then. Listen, if you didn't grow up in church, you didn't miss nothing. All right, they had this Jewish beat. Don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat. Don't cheat. And the, the whole beat was the whole, it was one beat for the whole worship service. Don't cheat, don't cheat. Don't. I will sing unto the Lord, for he was John Scorsley. The horse and the rider fell into the sea. Hey, I was singing. It's just so weird. I mean, we're not Jewish. What are we doing the hay for? It's just weird. The three, three, we, we're going to do one of those services, okay? Bring them back. I don't care if they like it or not. We're doing it. You need it. You need it. So three days ago, they're singing, and they go from this high to now they are complaining because, let me just tell you something, each day, each season brings new problems in your life. It's going to be new, new challenges. And they're, they're complaining, it's not right, it's sinful. But here's why they're complaining. It's because they didn't see that coming. They got blindsided. And I thought, we made it past this. God's just going to just carry us on his wings the rest of his life. He's gonna, we're going to live in a bubble. But I'm going I'm to tell you this. You can, go, you can go from Genesis to Revelation, and you, and you see this. You see this in Elijah. He's on Mount Carmel. God comes down, consumes this sacrifice and fire, takes a sword, kills all these bad prophets. I'd have loved to have been there. It's cool. And, th- and, then the, and then the next day, he's dealing with the biggest panic attack he's ever had. He's having suicidal thoughts. He wants to just die. And he goes from there to there. Uh, and you see it even when they start trying to enter the promised land a few, few years after this. They defeat, listen to me, the Israelites defeat Jericho. Y'all know the story? They're just going around <laughs> All go, walk around, the, seven times they're going around. And here, here's the, the largest city in that time in Canaan, the best army, the, most, the best defenses. On the seventh day, they go around seven times. What happens to the walls? What happens? They fall. And then two weeks after that battle, though, I mean, that's like, wow, they defeated the strongest thing in the world. And then two weeks later, this old dinky town named Ai, these guys are walking in pride. They're, just, they're, they're, they're being too cocky, not humble. And this little dinky village destroys them. You think, Marcus, how in the world can they have victory, this big thing here, and then this little thing destroyed them? And I want to tell you this because I see this as a pastor. It's usually not the big things that destroy a believer's life. It's usually, it's usually the AIs of life. Because I was, I was debriefing with a counselor about a situation, some people that we love, some people close to me. And, uh, and I'm just going through, just picking her brains, woman of God. And, and she said something to me. She said, you know, when believers face something big, they know they need God because it's big. And so they know this is a big thing in my life. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to get advice about it. I'm going to put on worship music in my car for the next two weeks. I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to find out what God says about it. I'm going to have like 10 people praying for me. And they, they knuckle up right there, and they get through it. But, she, but So we were talking about this thing, and this is what I would said. I said, because it was a little thing, and I said, I guess that was their last straw. I guess that one last thing was just the last straw, and that's why he threw in the towel. Because in my mind, I was just thinking, I guess so, people can just handle disappointment so much, and maybe that was just the last straw. She said, she said, maybe. I was like, not maybe. I'm the preacher. I'm telling you. Right? Not maybe. She said, maybe. I said, what do you mean maybe? She said, maybe it was the last straw, or maybe it was so small that they didn't trust God. 
and the fact that they didn't get in the Word and they didn't trust God and they didn't act on their faith and they didn't turn their back on this and turn their faith towards God, maybe anything can destroy you when you stop looking at God. Amen? And so, you see, great losses, great losses come out of great wins because a lot of times we get our eyes off the ones who brought us the great wins. Amen? Off of Jesus. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? They're complaining. They're griping. And let me just let me go to number two. Disappointment is linked to a, sh- a short spiritual memory. When God does something in your life, you need to say it. You need to write it down. Whether it's big or small. You know why? It's because you're developing a longer memory. One of the gr- great things I do, I have a journal, and every night I have three things to write down that I'm thankful for. We talked about that with anxiety. Talked about that with worry. I'm going to tell you, this helps you with disappointment. Because what you, what I, when I say, hey, I, this is what I'm thankful for. I'll start with Brooke. I just, I'm thankful for Brooke. I'm thankful that I married outside my league. Thankful for my kids today. Now I'll start thinking about just little things that happened during the day. And it only takes like maybe 90 seconds sometimes. I just jot something down, jot something down. But you know what I start doing? I create a memory that I go back. And the things that disappoint me, I start looking at something bigger than those disappointments. Something, I look at the faithfulness of God in my life. But there's 72 hours from one of the greatest miracles in history. And then they're griping. I mean, I don't want to bash them, but let's bash them for a little bit, right? He split a sea. They should have went here and go, well, we're thirsty. God, split the dirt. You know, split some rocks. Split something. You're amazing. If you took care of me then, you're going to take care of me now. They didn't. It took them 72 hours, and they just they, they had forgotten all about what God had done in your life. And it made them disappointed, and they started focusing on the disappointment. When you're disappointed, let me, let me give you a, a few negative things to stay away from. Write this down. Number one, don't curse it. It might be in your notes. Curse it is, is what they did. They're complaining about it. Romans 12, Paul told us this, bless those who persecute you. Let's read that together. You guys ready? Y'all ready, class? Let's go. One, two, three. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do y'all have this verse in your notes? You got it? Just write this down. This is for me. This is for me. This is for my heart. Put that down. Paul's writing this, thinking about those people that need to do this. Because when you start cursing situations and people in your life, you're going to find yourself distant from the presence of God. He says, bless those who persecute. Bless and do not curse because it protects your life. Then here's what you do. You don't rehearse it. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Man, I'll have a situation and I'll be in the car and I'll start rehearsing it in my mind. And I'll start thinking, anybody else do this? It's just, it's me. I'm just driving. Yeah, they did it. Mm-hmm. When I see them, I'm going to say this. Mm. I'm going to text them right now. Because mm. you just start. And the more you rehearse a problem, the bigger the problem gets. So you don't curse it. You watch the words of your mouth. But then you watch what's, how it's spinning like, the, like that hamster in the wheel. It's spinning in your mind. And all of a sudden, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm going to do this. And if they did that, I'll do this and that. So Paul said, get rid of all bitterness, anger, slander, every form of malice. Just get rid of it. And then you don't do this. You don't nurse it. 
You know we're able to see people nurse pain now because of social media? Y'all ever been on social media and you see somebody and they, they put the most painful thing out there? They'll slam their wife or slam their husband, make an innuendo about their kids, and they put it out there and you know what they, what do they want? What are they looking for? What are they looking for? They want somebody to like it. Because when somebody likes it, you know what it does? It nurses it. Offense is like a baby. You, you nurse that thing, it's going to start growing up. And so they just nurse it and nurse it and nurse it. So you, gotta, you say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to curse it. I'm not going to rehearse it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to nurse it. This is what I'm going to do. Would you write this down? This is not in your notes. I'm going to disperse it. I'm going to give that back to Jesus. I didn't know how to... Uh, I didn't know how to, to write this point down, so I'm going to say it like this, and then I'll try to explain it a little better. Number three, fullness comes after disappointment. Disappointment, And I want you to write down an if at the end of this. So it says fullness comes after disappointment. Okay, that's almost true, okay? If you keep following Jesus, you're going to get disappointed. you got to keep following so here they've had, they, they're at Mar, Mara. What does Mara mean? What does it mean? Starts with a B. Mara means, one, two, three, bitter. Mara means bitter. They're at this place of bitterness. And then, this is interesting. I'm going to teach you some geography. Verse 27. They get to verse 27, and let me tell you something. No matter where you're at, God wants to get you and your family to verse 27. Okay? Then they came to Elam. Everybody say Elam. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. This, this is what I want in my life. How many of y'all want a vacation like this? What do you want? Palm trees, a couple springs, just a mat lay on the beach. That's all I want. In the middle of the desert, God took them to a place of Elam, and then they camped. And what they camp near? They camped near water. The thing that is going to sustain their life, God put them right there beside it. Here's the thing. They are in this place of bitterness named Mara. What's the place with the palm trees? What did it say? What was the name of it? Elam. Here's my question. How far was Elam to Mara? Bitterness to palm trees. What's that difference? So you ask Siri. What's the difference? It was, guess what? I want you to write it down. It's five miles. It was five miles. Five miles away. Here's, here's the thing. Listen to me. You don't see the Elams of your life, but don't get stuck in the Mars either. Don't get stuck in a place of bitterness because Elam was right around the corner from them. Instead of stopping and complaining and living in that place, you go, God, I'm going to trust you for the things that I cannot see. And I'm going to keep pursuing you because I know you're leading me down the best pathway of my life. Doesn't mean everything's going to be bitter, but it means around the corner. Even though I can't see it, here comes my faith. My faith is that you got it. It's there. Amen? Stand up on your feet. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. I'm going to try I'm going to try to remind you of this story without being gross. Some of y'all hadn't eaten lunch yet. Uh, several years back, there was a plane that crashed in the Andes Mountains. It's like a sports, some sports team was on it. And, uh, 
And then they, they wrote a book about it. I remember reading it. And then they made a movie about it. And I watched some of it. And then it, I was just like, oh, I can't deal with this. Because, I mean, they crashed. And people were starving. And some people had died. And it turned into some cannibalism. It went off the, the rails. And, uh, but I didn't really know the whole story until this week. I, was, I saw it pop up. And there was something else to it. And this guy wrote this. And he said, where they crashed. I never knew this. So they crashed in the Andes. And there was this, this one pretty significant climb, a hill up a mountain. It was right there by the plane. And they said, if somebody would have just got there and climbed that mountain, right on the other side of that mountain was a five-star resort that would have taken care of them. And they stayed in that place because they couldn't see. So the all, they thought that all there was anywhere near them was all that they saw, period. So I'm going to tell you how disappointment happens is your life has landed in a certain space and you go, this is all I see. For the next five years of my life or 10 years of my life or the rest of my life, this is, this is going to be the landscape of my life. And it's like, it's just like, I just feel like quitting. How, how did God move them from one place, the nation of Israel, to this, this good place? People had to decide, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. And you've got to make that decision inside of you, no matter what I see in the landscape. That could be the landscape of your marriage or the landscape of what's going on with your children, the landscape of your health. You just go, God, it's hard for me to see over that cliff right now, but you see it, I'm following you. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not quitting. Even if my friends do, people around me, if they live in that land of complaining and bitterness and defeat, I'm following you, Jesus, because you are in charge of my life. So I'm not going to be torn and then all of a sudden end up anxious. And I'm not going to be torn and live under depression either. I'm going to follow you knowing that my Elam's coming. Amen. Let me pray over you. Hold your hands out. Let me pray. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus, I pray that we not just clearly see, like, where we're at. or Where maybe there's some people in our home or just, just around us that we love that's dealing with this right now. Discouraged, disappointed, depressed, beat up, defeated. I pray that we just get more than just superficial words that we can walk away and give away your life and your word. and your Because that is what encourages us and sustains us. So, we see a picture but we got to see a picture of you, Jesus. So right now, we open up our hands and we just, we just pray that you would take our faith higher. Let us fall in love with you, Jesus. That we can relax in your care and we can pursue you. Because you are so good and you are so faithful. Father, I just pray that, that some of these things in people's lives that we've been talking about, that it will be melted off of their life in Jesus' name. I pray that maybe it even feels like bondage to be broken in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him. Come on. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, please let us know by visiting us online at newlifechurch.tv or by downloading the NLC app on your smartphone. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message each weekend. Thanks again for listening to New Life Church.